Welcome to the podcast today. I'm sitting here with Brittany Jepson, and I recently started following Brittany about, I don't know, a few months ago when she was on another podcast that I listened to where she shared about a lot of her family history and how that influenced her her design in her home and, and things like that. And so I'm excited to talk to Brittany about another part of her family tree. Before we get started, Brittany, can you just introduce yourself and let us know a bit about your work and your family? Uh, yeah, my name is Brittany Jepson. I run a site called The House That Lars Built. I've been doing it for about 15 years. I started it as a graduate school project in 2008, and it's morphed into a destination for DIY and crafts, where we teach people how to make them, and we give them tools to make them, and we have a shop, and we have products, and it's been a, trem- a tremendous part of my life, and it's given me a lot of opportunities, and including sitting down with you today. And I live in Provo, Utah. I have two sons. One is five, one is three. And I'm married to Paul. We got, we met when I was going to school in Copenhagen, Denmark, and where he is from. So there's, we, we lived in Copenhagen for the first few years of our marriage. And, and now we've lived in Provo for about 10 years. And I, did I did that podcast? I because I, I did a TV show called In with the Old on Magnolia Network, where we showed how our family history inspired our, the design of our home. And in particular, it was inspired by Patty Sessions, who was my great 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 grandmother. Our home, we didn't build our home, it was built in the 90s. And we always walked by the house. We live in the same, we lived in the same neighborhood prior to buying it. And we always said, if we, if we're going to stay in Provo, which we were uncertain for many, many years, we, what a dream it would be to be able to buy that house. And it reminded me of being on the East coast where I had lived for a long time. And, and when I shared on social media that we got this house and we have a lot to do to it. The original owners reached out or they, the children of the original owners reached out and they said, oh, my dad, he modeled it after a home in Nauvoo, Illinois. Oh, cool. And it, that was just the bit of information I needed to, to keep going because, you know, it wasn't quite East Coast. It was very, it's very plain. It's very, there's not, nothing fancy about it. And all it just made a lot of sense. And as we were working with the TV production company to develop this episode, they, they were like, oh, you, you know, I shared, I said my great grandmother or great, 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 great grandmother. She's also from Nauvoo, not thinking it was very special. Right. Mm-hmm. And they were like, wait, what? That's crazy that you live in this house that is where your great, 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 great grandmother comes from. And I was like, wait, I actually, you're right. That is pretty cool. <laughs> To me, it was just like a, a Utah thing. Like, of right. course, these people modeled it after a home in Nauvoo. And I didn't <laughs> think anything of it. Um, and so after that, it kind of gave me the, I guess, the charge to to pay homage to my family. Mm-hmm. And so we brought in a lot of family history from my great-great-great-grandmother, Patty Sessions, who was, an, who was a Mormon midwife who delivered babies 
as she crossed the plains, but also bringing in my husband's Danish background. Mm. And so we've done that through a lot of the details, a lot of the fabrics and woods and, and things like that. So it's been a really great family history project for us. Yeah. And I loved I loved hearing about that. I wasn't able to watch it because I don't subscribe to whatever cable network or whatever. <laughs> but I've loved all of the things that you've shared about it. And I think it's really interesting how we can use our own family history kind of to to influence our design and our home design. And I love how you have integrated kind of the two parts of your family into that. Well, today, Brittany, we are going to share with you maybe a line in your family tree that you don't know as much about. Your grandmother was born to Irish immigrants, and I had someone research that line. Will Davis Coleman from the Davis Family Detective Agency based in London was the genealogist that worked on this. And also his friend Miles Lynch of Forest Family Research helped him with that. So Irish ancestry is made quite difficult because there's a lack of surviving records. There was a Irish Civil War that blew up the public record office in 1922 and destroyed a lot of the records. So I'm just going to start sharing my screen. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see see the pictures and the documents that I share with Brittany here. But this is just a picture of that, that Civil War the fire that blew up the record office there. And that's what's in this picture here. So it's really unfortunate because a lot of those records are gone and it just makes research in, in Ireland a lot trickier. So Will, he's, he did say, if you know where to look, you can find you can find things to further your, your tree in Ireland. So we're going to start here. Do you recognize this picture? Yes, that's my grandmother. That's <laughs> yes. Eileen, Eileen McGuire. Yes. So great. Patty Sessions was on my mom's line and this is on my dad's line. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people have done hit their research on his line, but there's a lot that hasn't been done. And I personally don't, I did not grow up with as many stories because my, she died when my dad was 13 years old. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. Well, I love this picture of her. And obviously, due to her uniform in this picture, we believe she served in the U.S. Navy. This is the the uniform of the Ensign serving in the U.S. Naval Reserve. And beyond this photograph, we weren't able to find any other records that really told of her service. I don't know if you have other things maybe in your family that have talked about that. Probably. I personally don't know, but I, I, th I have a few people who I could reach out to to find that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we weren't able to find anything, but we did find this this picture and I just love it because I think I, I just love her pose and everything in there. Yeah. I'm not sure I've seen that photo before, but it does show her really well. Like you can see her yeah. facial features very well. So mm -hmm. that's really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So her parents were Charles Peter McGuire and Margaret Doherty, and they both came to the U.S. around 1903. There's kind of conflicting years on census records, but they were both from the same county of Fermanagh. I hope I'm saying that right. And it's, so it's likely that they knew each other prior to leaving Ireland. And they were married in around 1905 and 1906 and had eight children. And your grandmother was the youngest. So we also, we didn't find really immigration information for them, but 
but we do know a bit more about him that we'll get into. So this is in the 1930 census. They were living in Brooklyn, New York, and Helen was the youngest there. They owned their home. That's what this O means right there. And their home was worth $9,500, which seems like a lot for 1930. That does seem like a lot. I don't know. I don't know. So Charles, he worked as a stationary fireman at a department store. And a stationary fireman, I found out, is actually like a boiler operator. So that's what they called them back then. And he worked as that for, I think he was that in the 1910, 1920, and 1930 censuses. And so I'm not sure what department store he did that at, but but that was what he did for his occupation. And this was that home that they were living in in that 1930 census. So it's still standing, at least it's on Google Maps still. And that is it there in in Brooklyn. And this is just to get an idea of where that is in comparison to in New York. So it was down here, kind of in the south mid section of Brooklyn. Very cool. This is so cool to see the specifics. Yeah. Yeah, so I love looking at homes of ancestors because I think it like really, I don't know, you can you can kind of picture them living there. And I think it's neat that like it was not a, it's not like a tiny home. It was about 1,700 square feet, had three bedrooms, and and they had seven children that they that they had in that home. Wow. And you and we're guessing that's the original home. Yeah, at least on on Zillow, it said that it was built in 1910. So oh, okay. That be, okay. That Very home. cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <gasps> Very cool. Very cool. So Helene's <laughs> direct family, they originated from, originated from the tiny village of Canali, which was 10 miles south of Enniskillen, which had a population of 141 in the 2011 census. So it's a really tiny little town, little village, I guess. And But your ancestors once ruled the entire county of Fermanagh, which was known as Maguire's country originally. So also, unlike many Irish noble families, the Maguires were homegrown. So they were not of Norman origins and can speculatively trace their line back to the partly mythical high kings of Ireland in the third century, namely Cormac MacArt. Okay, so that's all from from Will, who did the research on your tree, and I thought that was quite fascinating. So your Maguires were like the rulers of that county. Back, I feel so powerful. I know, seriously, <laughs> that's actually pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, and so this is Kin Kinali, that little village in Ireland. That's where it is in Northern Ireland. Just to get an idea of where that what that looks like. And I thought this was cool. This is oh. your family crest or your family <gasps> emblem. That is so cool. Yeah. So the Maguire family, they once ruled all over the lands of Fermanagh. And from approximately 1250 CE, in fact, County Fermanagh. I'm like, I know I'm saying that right. I looked up how to how to pronounce it. And it's like Fermanagh. Fermanagh. Okay. Somebody will correct it. Fermanagh. <laughs> <laughs> it's anyway, more than I know. I know. In that county, it was originally known as Maguire's, con- Maguire's con- country, like like I said before, until the reign of James I of England, beginning in 1603. Okay, so unfortunately, the Maguires, they chose to rebel against Queen Elizabeth 
and James I by participating in the Tyrone Rebellion from 1594 to 1603. So because of that, the Maguires were split between the reigning chieftain Hugh Maguire and his son Connor Maguire, and the latter sided with the government. Wow, drama. I know. So then during the reign of James I, the Ulster Plantation began to take root and the government reduced the land holdings of the Maguires to 12,000 acres in 1609. Okay, so they started losing land. This bred resentment, and when the English Civil Wars broke out, the Maguires saw an opportunity to break away from their English overlords and in 1640 joined the Confederate Rebellion. This was crushed by Oliver Cromwell, who committed some of the worst atrocities ever, who visited the Irish people, killing thousands, assaulting and pillaging men, women, and children without exception. For the Maguires, the head of the family, Connor, was executed and his lands forfeit in 1645. His heir, Rory Maguire, was killed whilst, att whilst attacking government forces at Carrick on Shannon in 1648. The Maguire motto is, justice and strength are invincible. Mm. And it says... That I think that's I think that came to me. <laughs> like I think I have that in my DNA. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it says also, unlike many Irish noble families, the Maguires were homegrown, like we said before, not of Norman origins. So what do you think about that? The origins of the Maguires in, in Northern Ireland? Well, I mean, that's so far back, right? And it's and when you're reading history books or you're learning about, I took an English history class in college, It's which is not necessarily talking about Irish history, but you don't assume that it's your history, right? right. So I think hearing about this, it makes me think, oh, wow, that's, that's part of, that's part of my story, but I just mm -hmm. didn't know. This is really interesting. And a part of it thinks, <laughs> like when I say that's part of my DNA, like there's a lot of things that I am or like I have this strong sense of justice mm -hmm. in me or for things to be right. And a part of me thinks, I wonder if that's where I got it from, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, or at least that's what I'm going to say where it comes from is <laughs> it's because I'm from Ireland and very cool. I'm not, <laughs> and I'm homebred. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is no, really of course. Cool. Yeah. We'll be right back after hearing about one of our sponsors. Story.com is a new online platform that is completely changing the way you do family history. On Storied, you can build a family tree and find records, but the main difference is the stories. That's really the point of learning about our ancestors, right? To find and write the stories. Storied allows you to easily write your own stories or the stories of your family and ancestors or your friends with pictures in an easy to access feed. You can invite who you want to view your stories in your own private group. It's a lot of fun and a really cool way to get the stories accessible to those who want to know them. At Storied, you can add people to your family tree that are associates or friends we all have those people in our life that we aren't related to, but they feel like family. With Storied, you can tag and add these people to your tree and to the stories you share. So go to storied.com and give it a try for free. And you can get 10% off your first subscription by using the code Megan10. And now we're back. So you have quite the interesting, interesting information on the McGuire line. Mm. So this is 
one man named Michael McGuire. And I just thought this was interesting that they found this, this document about a Michael McGuire. And we don't know for sure how he fits in your family, but he was from the same little tiny village. And so he's likely related somehow, right? <laughs> so I just want, can you read, just start reading this if you can uh, miss handwriting. Mr. Michael McGuire, who was also parish bard. Bard. Yes. He always spoke in rhyme. <laughs> oh my gosh. Isn't that like the cliche we or the stereotype of Irish people? Yes, yes. <laughs> he always spoke in rhyme. When he composed a new poem, his first work was to make his pupils learn it by, by heart. heart the next day. Mm -hmm. Wow. Many of the old men in the district who were taught at the school could recite the poems. Mr. McGuire taught in the first national school in that word you said. Yeah, Canali. Canali <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really cool. So I may, maybe you don't know this, but do you know if learning things by heart in poetry was a big cultural thing? Or do you think that was just his interest? Maybe a bit of both. I'll just read what, what our genealogist wrote about it. So he did say bards in Ireland were very important people in a community. So that's who this Michael Maguire was. So apart from educating children, they were also responsible for the retaining the community's shared history and heritage. So I'm sure through like those stories and poems, maybe that was what of what he, some of what he was talking about was like the history and the heritage. Um, Ireland had centuries of oral history before the written word finally began to take hold. So the histories and traditions of Irish society going back centuries was kept alive by the bardic traditions. So through these bards, the bards began to become less important or prominent in the early to mid 19th century, making Michael McGuire one of the last of the long lines of bards because he I think he was born. Oh, here we go. Yeah, he was born in the around the 1830s. That's when that first national school was opened. So this was around the early 1800s. So they they couldn't find any genealogical information that ties my, Michael to directly to your tree, but they're like it's a likely that he's a close relative just by I'll living in it. that small little small little place. And this memory was written down in 1937 by Mr. Edward Anderson. And he says that Michael taught at the first national school in Canali. So I thought that's pretty cool. So Very he's cool. he's likely you're in the, the same generation as your third times great grandfather. Okay. So he was either a brother of him or a cousin of about the same age. Okay. So Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I you know when you you know, when you hear stories like specific stories like this it humanizes them so much. And then you kind of start reeling like, Oh, am I like that? You know? And then mm -hmm. you, it, that, that it's just really nice to be able to hear these really specific stories. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so your the land was taken away from your Maguire family, right? And then your third great grandfather, Thomas Maguire, who lived from 1797 to 1873 he was a tenant farmer. So that means there was landowners there and all these tenant farmers would farm the land for them and, and get paid kind of a, an allowance. So he was a tenant farmer on his former ancestral lands. Wow. His landlord was Francis John Graham, and he held a lot of land in Fermanagh, a lot of which was formerly owned by the Maguires. 
And this was a discovery that they found this ancient relic that was that belonged to Lord Maguire <laughs> that they found on their on their land that was controlled by Graham. So can you just read some of that? Yeah. To antiquarians. Do you know what that means? Like I'm is guessing that like it's a like, specific term or just to I think it's people just who people. are interested. Yeah, people interested in antiques, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Last week, a very curious ancient relic was discovered in a bog on the lands of Owen Breton, belonging to Mr. Francis Graham near Brookborough. It appears to have been originally a cross or altarpiece. It is of wood, beautifully carved and in a perfect preservation. And bearing on one side the characters IHS and the letters DMG with the date 1683, it is two and a half feet long, six inches broad, and about two inches thick. Some suppose it to have been a portable altarpiece in those times when the Roman Catholics had no regular places of worship, and it is thought to have belonged to Lord Maguire, as indicated by the cipher. <gasps> this sounds crazy. So I don't know when the Roman Catholics wouldn't have regular places of worship. I'm assuming that would have been a long, long, long time prior. I'm guessing, yeah, probably in the, I don't know. I would have yeah. to look that up. Yeah. Probably centuries before that even. Right. That's what I, that's what I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So it'd be interesting to see what that looked like. There wasn't a picture or anything, but mm. I'm sure as your third great grandfather, as that was discovered, be like, Hey, <laughs> that's my family's. <laughs> no, it's not yeah. yours. Yeah. Isn't that my inheritance? But, <laughs> seriously. Seriously. <laughs> Yeah. So then to make matters worse for Thomas and his family, he began to build a family with his wife, Bridget, just eight years before the greatest crisis to ever hit Ireland, the Great Famine. So the famine broke out in 1845 and finally abated in 1852. County Fermanagh was hit really hard by the famine. 28% of the population perished or permanently fled. And Ireland as a whole has still not recovered to pre-famine population levels. So before the famine, there were eight and a half million people living in Ireland. And the current population is five million. So of all of Ireland. Of all of Ireland. And it was because of the famine? Yeah, a lot of it. So a lot a lot of people left because of the famine. A lot of people, you know, starved to death oh. from the famine. Wow. Your family stayed there. The Maguire family stayed there. Thomas and Bridget had their children in the years 1837 to 1847. So right, the last two year, two of their children were born right in the heart of the famine. And that was your second great-grandfather was born 1844. So just, just before the famine started. We don't have any dates for Bridget, the mother, Bridget McCauley. But considering her last child was born in the famine and that that child was named after her, so the child was also named Bridget. It's possible that Bridget did not survive either the childbirth or died of starvation or malnourishment afterwards. We don't know for sure because there's not a record to verify that, but it's it's definitely likely that that was the case. Wow. And I I just found this picture of, you know, a, a depiction of the famine in Ireland and it does not look like a enjoyable time <laughs> to to be there. Yeah. Wow, that is really severe. Yeah. So then here is your second great-grandfather. He was listed as a tenant farmer on Francis Graham's land. So you can see the name of the, of the landowner here, Francis Graham. And then these are all the people that kind of worked on his land. So here's Thomas McGuire here, under the number nine. So 
they were on the land called Gladstruman, which was just just south of let me just show you here, just south of Canali. So here's Canali, and then here's that land that that he was on. And here's a map from I think it was 1862. So this is a map from that time. Here's Glastroman. So this is the land. And here's this road right here. I was able to go on Google Maps and here's that road right here. So this is the land that your third great-grandfather, second great-grandfather, and likely where your great-grandfather was born, just on this farmland here in Glastroman. That's very cool. Yeah. So, and they that land was also Maguire land. So that land was probably been in your family for centuries before wow. then. Wow. 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 But you, you were saying originally it would have been a lot of land that they, that they, yes. Own. Yeah. Okay. That they own like almost the whole County. Okay. Where it was wow. Maguire's, Maguire's, Maguire's country, country. So, okay. <laughs> wow. So before then. So what does that, what does that feel like to see, to see that land and to hear about your ancestors that suffered there and endured all of that hardship. Well, it makes me think like they stayed during that, you know? So Mm -hmm. um, I think there's probably a lot of grit to them, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming. And I mean, maybe it's just like in deep loyalty because they had been there for so long Mm -hmm. and they maybe were felt felt very connected to the land. I think I would have, especially if it had been in my family for centuries, like, especially Mm -hmm. when you take deep ownership over a place, Mm -hmm. but maybe not at their time. I mean, it's kind of incredible since I didn't know this, it's kind of mind blowing right now. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It makes me want to visit. Yeah. I know. I was like, I think you need to go there. Yeah. (laughs) Next turn. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you had said that you kind of have a, a, a spirit of justice that you feel <laughs> and how you revolt against the the people that take advantage of others. Well, here was this article. They found it on Find My Past, but it's from 1890. And your second great-grandfather's brother, John McGuire, was involved in an unlawful assembly of 200 protesters who were drinking and playing band music and shouting about the land-grabbing landlords. So can you just read that where it says <laughs> witness heard? <laughs> Witness heard John McGuire and Thomas McCordy about shout, 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 yeah, it's oh, really blurry. shout to H E. I'm guessing yeah. to hell with the land grabber. <laughs> and another party called out down with the land grabber. <laughs> These are my people. Yes. <laughs> when the crowd came out on the road. They went in the direction of Thomas McGovern's and played the bands when passing Thomas McGovern's house. <laughs> yeah, I just thought um, that was really cool. So it listed three of your McGuire families that were reported to have been there. So that John McGuire and a Michael McGuire and a James McGuire. So we do know that this John McGuire was your second great grandfather's brother. And he lived till 1928. So, okay. so they were there, right? You know, not not super long ago that yeah. this protest happened, just before 1900. Yeah, they were. They would have been alive when my grandmother was born. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was born in 1919. So, yeah, yeah still would have been alive. So, hmm. yeah. So then, after that time, around 1903, your great grandfather Charles. And Margaret, they both decided to leave Ireland. I'm not sure what 
what kind of spurred that that idea, but they decided to leave and start their lives in New York and stayed there. So mm. that is all that we had to share about your family. I know that Irish research is quite difficult, so there was a lot of holes, but I think it was neat that he was able to find kind of the the origins of your Maguire family in Fermanagh because they sound like they were quite powerful people there, but they did not believe in in the English monarchy that was trying to invade and they revolted. And as a result, they they lost their land. They lost their their power. Yeah. So I just think that's really powerful. Okay. So I do have one thing to know, and I didn't even cross my mind when we were first talking about this. So here's a wild, like um, full circle moment. All right. So, and maybe, I don't know if they'd be able to answer this question or if you, do you think, first of all, do you think all Maguires are, would somehow be related? I think if they're from that County. Yes. Okay. So this is what I need to find out. Okay. So my husband, Paul, He's from Denmark. Right. And his sister married somebody, Kevin McGuire, mm. who is, I think he was born in Ireland, but he, or Belgium. So he's Irish Belgian. Okay. And so I, I need to find out the specifics, but he's a McGuire <laughs> from my husband's side. Oh, wow. So we've got some work to do you to figure find... out. <laughs> Am I really <laughs> like back <laughs> Anciently. to my husband's, to my brother-in-law? Yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah. I would say if they came from that same county, they probably are. Oh my gosh. Probably are. <gasps> okay, even, even if a different county might be like Ireland's not huge. So. Right. Right. Yeah. I need to find that out because that's yeah. really wild. <laughs> this is so cool. Uh, I I just feel like there's so much depth to everybody that when you unravel it, it, or when you like begin to find out, it just makes you a deeper person. And, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I feel very moved. So thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you. And thank you to the researchers yeah, too, to Will um, and Miles, yeah. to Will and Miles for making this happen. It, it's very mm -hmm. important in, to me. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you, Brittany, for letting us research your Irish heritage. I hope that 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 was enjoyable for you. I know that <laughs> that sometimes these things like we don't really know what's going to come out, but whenever I start, you know, compiling and and sharing it, I'm like, wow, everyone has a story. Everyone has more to their to their family than they think is there, and it's it's really powerful to learn to learn about them. So, so thank you for letting us share that with you. Thank you so much. <laughs> and so how can people connect with you best? Well, I have a website, www.thehouse.larsbuilt.com, and I'm active on Instagram at House Lars Built. Awesome. Well, we'll put those links in the show notes and you guys go go check out Brittany and her, her House Lars Built there. She's very fun to follow and has lots of colorful and fun things that you can do to, to make your home more fun. <laughs> so mm -hmm. thank you. Thank you. I'd like to thank our two fabulous genealogists who worked on this case. So Will Davis Coleman from Davis Family Detective Agency in London and his friend Miles Lynch from Forest Family Research. So if you need help with your research, especially anything in the UK, uh, Will and Miles can definitely help you out with that. 
Will's website is dfdagency.net. So you can contact him through that. And then Miles, you can just contact him through his um, business email is the best way to contact him. And that is forestfamilyresearch at gmail.com. And they can help you with any research that you need done in the UK and probably other areas as well. So go check them out if you need some help with your family trees. So now we'll hear a genealogy tip from Will Davis Coleman. Hey guys, it's Will here from the Davis Family Detective Agency and the researcher for this episode. My tip for those listeners who are interested in finding out about their Irish ancestry is to use the ducas.ie website. That's spelled D-U-C-H-A-S dot I-E. This website is free and open access and has the world's largest folklore collection on it. Lots and lots of written accounts of local stories from every village in Ireland is on there, and it can shed so much light on the lives that your ancestors lived. You can search by name or by the village you know your family lived in, and you would not believe how much stuff you could find out. So go and check that out. I must thank my co-researcher for this episode, Miles Lynch of Forest Family Research, who introduced me to this treasure trove of local Irish history. Cheers. Thank you, Will. I'd also like to mention that he has a podcast called Cloak and Dagger Podcast, so go check that out. Um, He explores some of the history's bloodiest days and twisted tales that led to them. So go check them out if that interests you. Um, He was fabulous to work with, so I totally recommend him if you need help with your research and your family tree. Thanks again for listening today, and I am grateful to you for being here, for listening. Please share and Um, let people know about this podcast. That's how podcasts grow. The best way to share is by word of mouth or share on social media. Um, Let people know why they should listen to this podcast and how it has helped you in your life. So thanks so much for listening today and we will see you next time.